for the very first time, what would your response be? He is risen. That message that we saw just a moment ago, the the video about that text message, what would your response be? How would you respond when you heard that message for the very first time? What would you do if you heard the news about Easter or the resurrected Christ? What would stand out to you? Uh, several years ago, there was a, a video that went on ABC News about a little boy who was born deaf and could not hear at all. And uh, I want to show that clip this morning as introduction to the message. And how would you respond? The very first thing you ever heard, how would you respond? Take a look. There are so many first moments to remember with children, their first step, their first word. But tonight, a different kind of first, a little boy about to hear his dad's voice for the first time. This is the moment so many people are talking about. Grayson Clamp, three years old, he had never heard his father before. Talk to him, Daddy. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. (laughs) Grayson points his finger there, hearing sound for the first time ever. Can you hear Daddy? Yes. Daddy loves you. Grayson was born without nerves in either of his ears. Watch as his father tries to talk with his little boy, who in this moment has turned back to his book. Show me puppy. And little Grayson points to the puppy on that book. As the moment unfolds, dad simply asks his little boy a question. You hear daddy? Yes. Everyone in the room recognizing it's almost too much for this little boy to comprehend at first. It's now been a month though since that moment and Grayson's mother tonight telling us she remembers it like it just happened. A mix of overwhelming joy, relief, excitement. Without those nerves in his ears, a cochlear implant at 18 months old didn't work. So here's what doctors did instead. An experimental procedure, complex brain surgery. So rare he's the first child to have it in the U.S. Bypassing the ears altogether, surgeons inserted a tiny microchip directly onto the brain's sound processing center, right there in the brainstem, to stimulate hearing, skipping the ears and going straight for the brain. The operation took eight hours, four weeks he would spend in the hospital sleeping with that teddy bear. Grayson's mother telling us her son transformed. He's more aware of what's going on around him. Both parents knowing the first words he heard, Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. How would you respond the very first time that you heard the words, Daddy loves you? You think about our story today, Luke chapter 24 is our text. If you want to turn there with me this morning, Luke chapter 24, why do we get so excited about Easter Sunday morning? What is it that draws our attention? Why do we spend so much time this weekend talking about someone who died and was buried and miraculously rose again. When we get to this chapter, what was the response from those who heard about the resurrection? Uh, Luke chapter 24, and let's read a couple verses just for context, beginning in verse number 1. It says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Why seek ye the living among the the dead? 
Uh, let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for speaking to our hearts. And Lord, thank you for the story of your resurrection. Lord, I ask that you please speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you for the music and how it encourages us and challenges us. Lord, through the preaching of your word now, we ask that you would please change us. And help us to see uh, the desired response that you have for us today. Uh, Lord, please speak to my heart. Cleanse me of any sin that's unconfessed. And help me to be clean as I preach your word to your people. Lord, I ask that you please do a work in us that we cannot do for ourselves. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for what you do today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes on your handout, I want you to write down number one. Some were rattled. What was the response of those who came to the tomb that morning? Number one, some were rattled. These women show up expecting one thing and find something completely different. What were they coming to do? Number one, they came to anoint. They came to anoint. In every one of the gospel accounts, these women are coming to anoint the dead body of Jesus. It's very important. The dead body of Jesus. This was a very common practice because they did not embalm bodies uh, that had passed before they were buried. Uh, they would decay quite quickly and so uh, families would purchase spices. Their method for helping uh, this decaying process would be to either anoint the body with oils or spice or to leave spices in the tomb to mask the smell. They would cover all of these things and cover the bodies themselves with oil. Uh, you know, you think about, some of you might think that's what your spouse is trying to do to you when they bring out the essential oils, you know. Uh, just, uh, they're preparing you for burial. That's what they're doing. Uh, but in that process of time, uh, it shows that they really did not believe that he would rise. They were coming to anoint a dead body. And remember, he had already shared with them previously in Matthew 16, verse 21 and 22. It says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now, Jesus tells them, I'm going to go back, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise. He didn't just say, I'm going to die. He said, I'm going to rise. What is Peter's response? Verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be. Uh, you, don't talk like that, Jesus. Uh, don't say things like that. That's, that's troublesome. That's bothersome. They focused on the words of death rather than life. He told them that he was going to die, but then he told them that he was going to rise. And what did they focus on? Death, bad news, uh, the, the heartache. And how often do we focus on the bad rather than the good? Now, how often do we focus on the past instead of the future? How often do we focus and how often would Jesus love for us to focus our attention on what's ahead rather than on what's behind? What's ahead of us instead of what's behind us? They were coming to find death and not life. I wonder how many times that people come to the place where Jesus has been and they expect to find death instead of life. How many times do people come to church and it's just going to be any old Sunday. It's just going to be same old, same old. Nothing new, nothing fancy. Uh, you know, it's not Easter pastor, so it's just another Sunday. And we expect death instead of life. See, this is a place of life, not death. 
Now, this is a place of joy, not discouragement. And when Jesus comes in, life comes with him. And he comes into the picture. A change has taken place. And there is life now instead of death. Uh, Paul was talking about taking that next step of baptism in Romans 6 verse 4. And he said, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There should be a resurrection Every single day. There should be a raising of who we are. The fact that we have new life in Christ. But how did they respond? They came to anoint the dead body. But when they got there, what did they find? They became, number two, anxious. Anxious. Look at verse 2. It says, And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Not what they expected. Verse 3, And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Not what they expected. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed. They didn't come expecting to be disappointed, expecting to be anxious, expecting to be afraid. It just happened. It happened. And when you think about life, they were focused on death coming. They were filled with anxiety as they traveled. How are we going to get the stone back? How are we going to move that? How are we going to get into the body? And then they unexpectedly find the stone rolled away and his body is gone. These are all things that they did not expect to encounter. They're simply going to anoint a dead body and then go about the rest of their lives. The end had come. Jesus had died. Their plans were all finished. But ironically, God's plan was just beginning. It was just starting. God's plan just getting started. And what they watched die on Friday would be alive again on Sunday. Everything that they had, that's what happens when we focus all of our attention on our plans instead of our, uh, his plans. All of our plans uh, come to naught and we get all flustered and frustrated, anxious when our plans don't work out. And we forget that God has a greater plan going on that just so happens to involve us. And God has a greater thing going, but yet we're so focused on our little things, our little plans. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7. When we think about our plans, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Uh, Don't be worrisome. Don't be troubled about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what will happen? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through... Your job? No. Through your family? No. Through the church? No. Through your pension? No. Through our retirement? No. Through Christ Jesus. He is the one that guards us. He is the one that keeps our hearts and minds. It's because of Jesus that we don't have to worry or be afraid or be anxious or be consumed with anxiety or fear. What they didn't see brought about all kinds of doubt. It brought about all kinds of fear. And how often is that the story of our life? The things that we don't see. The things that are unknown bring about those thoughts of fear and anxiety. Henry Ward Beecher said, Every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of it with the handle of anxiety or the handle of faith. Two handles. I like what Vance Havner said. He said, Worry like a rocking chair will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. It'll give you something to do, but won't get you anywhere. Is there something today that you're worried about? Is there something that has flooded your mind, maybe on the way to service this morning or earlier this week? Or is there something that's flooding your mind with fear and anxiety? 
They came to anoint. They came, and all of a sudden, they're now anxious because things are going not like they expected. And hey, can we just be honest? Life doesn't always go like we plan. And it didn't go like they planned this day, but it was actually better this way than what they had planned. Uh, isn't it amazing that God's plans are always better than our plans? Uh, God's plan, His ways are perfect. They came to anoint. They were anxious. And number three, they encountered the angels. Uh, they encountered the angels in verse 4 and 5. In that same moment, they encountered messengers to share this message of hope that they needed to hear. Verse 4, and it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? In the exact same moment that they were afraid. In the exact same moment that they were anxious, in the exact same moment that they were perplexed, the Bible word, immediately the angel speaks. In that moment that they needed a word, the angel speaks. You know, it reminds me of, remember when Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples are rowing all night long, and uh, he comes walking on the water, and they uh, start to panic. Hey, it's a spirit, it's a ghost, something's happening, something's coming. And the Bible says, immediately... Jesus calls out. Immediately he speaks and says, It's I. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. You don't have anything to be worried about. It's just me. And in that moment where we need him the most, he speaks. In those moments of anxiety, those moments of fear. But how did they receive the messengers? With fear. And we can't really blame them. If you think about what they were seeing, these angels, uh, you know, say, Pastor, uh, angels came in my room last night and spoke to me. Uh, you probably had too much pizza before you went to bed. Uh, but you think about that these angels come in and speak to uh, these ladies. They were sent to tell them exactly what they need to hear. It isn't ironic that God gives us what we need in the moment. He's given us His Word. He gives us a, a church family to be a part of and be encouraged. He gives us godly friends to lift us up, a, a kingdom that belongs to Him to serve Him. And what is my response to that? All of those good things. How do I respond? Well, God wouldn't want me. You know, God can't use me. Oh, Pastor, I have a past, and uh, you know, God can't use me, or I have a bad reputation. And, uh, God wouldn't want me. But how can we say that when everything that He did that weekend, He did for us? Everything he did that resurrection weekend was for us. Isaiah 53 in verse number 5 says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. See, he died to restore us, but he rose to redeem us. Died to restore us, rose to redeem us. He died for us. So if he did all that for us, what is too little for us to do for him? Oh, pastor, you know, I just, I can't be used by God. Why? Now remember, Paul said, hey, I am the chief of sinners. And he was the greatest believer to ever walk this side of the New Testament. We see that God can use us, but the angels ask a very simple question. Why are you looking for someone who's alive in a place connected with death? What a question. You know, if you searched and you go searching for the body of a, uh, a world leader, an iconic sports star, or, uh, a, a musician from years past, you would go to the place of their burial. 
But if you travel to a garden tomb outside of Jerusalem where Jesus' body was laid, you won't find his body because it's not there. It's not there. He is alive. And you still, 2,000 years later, you won't find his body because he's still alive 2,000 years later. They came rattled. Some were rattled at the news that he was alive. He's not here. But then we see in verse 6 through 10 that some were reminded. Not only were some rattled, but some were reminded. Upon sharing the news with them, they were reminded of what Jesus had previously told them. What did he tell them? Uh, We we see that he had told them in verses 6 through 8. He told them this was going to happen. He told them what to expect. Twice we're told that not only did Jesus tell them, but they forgot. Look at verse number 6. He is not here, but is risen. Remember. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Twice we see that they were reminded and they were reminded, remembered based on the words Jesus told them, Matthew 16. He told the disciples. Then again in Matthew 17, verse 22 and 23, while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, the Son of Man shall be betrayed in the hands of men. They shall kill him and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. They were disappointed. Mark chapter 10 and verse 34, and they shall mock him and scourge him and shall spit on him and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. They heard it. They didn't believe it. And they forgot about it. They dismissed it out of their minds. And how many times is that us? We hear it. We forget about it. We dismiss it. And we hear it, we don't believe it, we forget about it, we dismiss it, and we go about our, the rest of our lives like nothing has happened. You know, we think about that and we maybe hear a message when we're younger and then years later in life we read something in His Word or we hear a message and somebody shares with us and we have one of those V8 moments, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I should have had a V8. Uh, that, that thought of, oh yeah, I missed that, I've forgotten that. Now remember, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Are we listening to the Word of God? Are we even reading the Word of God? Are we spending time meditating on His truths from His Word? Uh, you know, this is God's love letter to His people. This is God's love letter to us, but do we read it? Maybe if you're married or been married for some length of time, maybe you have a a box or a shoebox or a collection somewhere of love notes that your uh, betrothed has given to you, your spouse. Uh, But uh, your your significant other has written to you. I have a a letter that I carry in my Bible, have carried for some time, and it was written uh, July 5th, 2004. That was a year before we got married. And uh, it is a love note from my wife. We've been married now uh, almost 18 years. And uh, it's, man, it's crinkled up. It's got coffee stains all over it. It's, it's worn and torn. And uh, yet, I uh, say, Pastor, what does it have on it? None of your business. Uh, but uh, that's what it says, none of your business. Uh, but uh, she, took, she took the word love and she cut it out into individual letters and then she wrote something on each one of those letters. Again, none of your business. Uh, but 
this is a love note, and it's worn and torn because I have read it again and again and again and again. Why? Because I want to be reminded of the words of someone who loves me. You know, this book that we hold in our hands is worn and torn, and it has a love letter of someone who loves us. Uh, But how often do we open its pages? Uh, How often do we take time to be reminded of the story of his love? See, the, the Bible story is the story of how God would redeem fallen man. The great length that he was willing to go to to redeem fallen man back to himself. See, we would not know, we would not know how far God was willing to go. If Jesus had not died on the cross, we would not know how far God was willing to go to buy back sinful man. If Jesus had not died, we would have no way. See, John 3.16 would still be in the book. For God so loved the world. We would still know, uh, uh, John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life. All of those verses we would know, but we would have nothing to be able to see as a display of God's great love until Jesus died on the cross. Until God became man and died for us. We would have no way to know. And that story is in this great love letter called the Bible. But how often do we read it? He told them, and he reminded them, and they remembered, but then we see what was their response. They told others. They told others. Look at verse number 9. And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. Uh, what a concept. They left immediately and shared it with someone else. Immediately sharing the news. And what a, what a concept we see in John chapter 1, verse 43 through 46. It says, The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Jesus calling to Philip for the very first time. Now, Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and, Philip, uh, and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And what is Philip's response? Come and see. Come and see. Why do we share the message that he's given to us with other people? So that we can say, come and see. Come and see what the Lord has done. And when we see a truth, we hear a truth that speaks to us and is shared with us. How do we respond? Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Without a preacher. Uh, the word for preacher is the Greek word kairuso, which comes from the Greek form kairuk, which is the one who heralds, the one who proclaims, the one who shares. But the preacher isn't just the guy whose name is on the church sign. The preacher is the one who shares the message of hope with those who desperately need it. So the question today is, are you a preacher? Are you the one who shares, the one who proclaims, who heralds the truth? Some were rattled, and what happened? They were coming to anoint. They became anxious, and all of a sudden their world was turned upside down. But then we see that they were reminded of the words because Jesus had already told them, and they told other people. But what did that lead to? What was the response from the men? We see that, number three, some were reluctant. Some were 
reluctant. You would think that these men would be jumping up and down, having themselves a good old time. When the ladies get back with this news that the tomb is empty. Jesus, what he said was true. But what was their response? Number one, they refused to believe. Look at verse number 11. What did they say? And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. The words, idle words, that phrase means nonsense. Nonsense. This is ridiculous. This is foolish. This is uh, not even right. The fact that you would come and you would uh, give us this big fairy tale that Jesus is alive. They were not impressed that these women uh, shared this message with them. They were not convinced uh, that this ridiculous claim could be true. They never even bothered to think that what Jesus said could actually be true. Imagine that. Jesus' word had happened. Could Jesus mean what he said? But how often is this our story? Uh, the fact that we know James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. We hear the word of God. We know that God has spoken to us. We know that God speaks today. But are we acting on what he has said? Are we doing anything about it? Uh, we hear a passage presented. We uh, read God's word. and Either we don't believe it. Or we don't act on it. See, when it comes to Jesus and what we do with Jesus, you can't afford to be wrong. Because our eternal destination rests on Him. Our eternal destination depends on Him. So when it comes to what you think about Jesus, it's not back to, well, you know, I'm going to be a good person. And uh, when I stand before God, my good will outweigh my bad and he'll let me in. That has absolutely nothing to do with going to heaven. Everything rests on what you say about Jesus. What do you say about him? Uh, we see, number one, that uh, they uh, refused to believe. But then lastly this morning, we see that they ran to inspect. They ran to inspect. Look at verse number 12. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher and stooping down he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. They run and I can see we know that Peter and John run because of John's account of this story. We see that Peter, you almost wonder if Peter and John say, all right, we're going to do this just to prove that you're not right. Just to prove. Uh, Peter had done that before, by the way. Remember uh, when Jesus said, hey, let down your nets. And uh, Peter said, well, nevertheless, just because you say so, I let down the net. One. You know, I let down the one. Just because, just to prove you wrong, Jesus, because all these nets are clean, uh, just to prove you wrong, I let down one. And Peter says, I guess we'll just run over there and find out for ourselves, won't we? Kind of half-heartedly. But what did they find? They found an empty tomb. Imagine John's account. He outruns Peter. They get there and all of a sudden they see the evidence that Jesus is gone. His body has been moved. They may not have fully grasped what was going on. They may not have fully comprehended what was going. But they saw the empty tomb. If we were to travel to that garden tomb this morning, you know what we would find? An empty tomb. Because 2,000 years later, it's still empty. 
because Jesus is alive. Nothing has changed in those last 2,000 years. And the fact that he's still alive today and he lives and ever breathes to make intercession for you and I. But do we have that same excitement that they had that day? Do we have that same hope? Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Our entire faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Lee Strobel wrote the book, The Case for Christ, and uh, was an atheist, uh, an atheist, and it was a journalist, and was challenged to disprove Christianity, and ended up becoming a Christian because he could not disprove the resurrection. And he said this, Faith is only as good as the one in whom it's invested. Faith is only as good as the one in whom it's invested. And the empty tomb is what we hold on to today as our source of hope, our source of joy, our source of peace, our source of comfort and love. You know why? Because it's that little boy. Remember the little boy in the video, in the video who heard his father speak for the very first time? Uh, what did his father say? What were the first words that he heard his father say? Daddy loves you. You know, if we were to travel back to that tomb and we were to walk inside the walls and walk inside that doorway into the empty tomb, you know what we would hear? Daddy loves you. You know what we'd hear? We would hear ringing out for all of humanity here, Daddy loves you. Our Heavenly Father, we look to the tomb and see just how much God loves us this morning. We hear Daddy loves you. And when we look at the tomb, our hope didn't die with Jesus, it rose with Jesus. And it is alive and breathes today because we have a Heavenly Father in heaven above who loves us and proved that love for us, not in just the fact that Jesus died, but the fact that he rose from the dead victorious over death so that you and I would never have to experience death ourselves. He is alive today to give us hope and to remind us that he loves us. To remind us that this world is not our own. We're just passing through. This world is all about him and it's all about what we do with Jesus. Today on Easter Resurrection Sunday morning, do you know that you have a Father who loves you? Do you know that you have a Jesus who died for you, was buried for you, rose for you? And have you placed your faith and trust in the one who rose from the dead those 2,000 years ago that we still celebrate? Do you know that he is your Savior today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as we prepare for our time of invitation we're going to sing in just a few moments, but our personal workers are moving right now and they're moving to a certain position to where you will know where they are. And our purpose in that is literally to give you someone. If you are here this morning and you need someone to pray with you or you have questions about Christianity or what that looks like or what the resurrection really means, that those personal workers are here for you. We ask folks to at this time of the service, to bow their heads and close their eyes, not to uh, single anybody out, not to embarrass someone, but to give you an opportunity to reflect on what has just been presented. God gives us His Word and then expects a response. Uh, what do we do with what we have heard? If you're sitting there this morning and you're not sure, you're unsure of 
Jesus being your Savior, if you don't know that your sins have been forgiven, you're not sure that heaven is your eternal home, I would challenge you this morning to talk to the Lord about that. Our personal workers are standing all around the building, and you could kind of peek and see where they are if you need to speak to someone. But let me ask you this. Has there been a time in your life when you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Is He your Savior today? Maybe He is. In a crowd this size, most likely, most everyone has had that moment where they have come to Christ as their Savior. But you might be here, and whether in the room or watching online, and that's not your testimony. You can't say you know Jesus is your Savior because you're not convinced. Could I challenge you this morning and pray for you? I would love to know that someone today placed their faith and trust in Christ. That's what resurrection is all about. Out with the old and in with the new. Death has taken place and now there's a resurrection of new life. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I just don't know. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but what I would ask you to do is to search your heart. You know you and God knows whether or not you are a believer, you're saved today. Salvation is so simple. He made it that way on purpose. He made it in such a way that if we would place our faith in Him, we would acknowledge what He knows and what we know, that we're sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that we are sinners by nature. You're born that way. But the Bible also says that if we'll believe in our heart that he died, he was buried and rose, and we'll ask him to offer us salvation, he'll give it to us. That's what salvation is. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's simply knowing who you are in the sight of God Almighty and asking him to apply what he did on the cross to your life. That's what salvation is. Nothing more, nothing less. It's all Jesus and none of you. That's why it's not anything that you can do. He's already done all the work. Our part is simply asking in faith that he would do what he promised to do. We have God's word on that. So maybe this morning you would say, Pastor, I I wouldn't even know what to say. I wouldn't know how to pray. I, I, I wouldn't even know how to begin that journey. I wouldn't even know what to do. It would simply be in the quietness of the moment where you are right now, acknowledging who you are. Maybe pray a prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Admitting who you are in God's sight. And maybe it would be saying, Lord, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were buried and you rose again, like the Bible says. And then maybe it would be something like, Lord, please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life and change me radically from the inside out. Help me to walk with you and follow you for the time that I have left. That's what salvation is. It's not a magical, mystical prayer. It's asking by faith. You're taking God at his word. And our personal workers are here. The altar's open. If you want to come and pray, you want to talk to someone this morning. But the most important person you can talk to about your spiritual condition, you can't see in the room. Oh, he's very much here, but you can't see him. Would you simply talk to God today about what he's talked to you about? Whatever that is, whether it's a spiritual need or next step that you need to take, whatever you are in need of today, we would like to try and help you take that step, whatever you need. If you need to speak to someone, personal workers all around, in the front and in the back, find one that's close to you. 
and just say, hey, I, I need to talk to somebody this morning. That's all you have to say. And they'll pray with you. They'll take the Bible and encourage you. Whatever you need, whether you need salvation or you need something else, we would love and be honored to take God's Word and encourage you today. Father, please bless our time of invitation. Do what only you can do. Lord, I ask that you please help us to see that you are at work today. Lord, help us to know that someone is acting by faith, taking you at your word. Lord, I ask that you please help us to be faithful in our walk with you. Help us to live in the power of the resurrection that empowers believers today. What you did 2,000 years ago wasn't for nothing. Lord, it still carries on today. We celebrate every single week the fact that you are alive. Please live and breathe through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Tim's going to come and lead us in that song. If you'd like to come to the altar and pray about anything you have need of, speak to a personal worker. We're here. I'm going to be right down front if you need to talk to me. Let's stand together and sing this song we sang just a little while ago. What a beautiful name it is. Let's sing together. Pastor Tim's going to lead us. If you need to speak to someone, do it right now.